So we're starting off a new series called Bulls, Bears, and Blackhawks. Oh my. Uh, we will, don't worry, we're not forgetting the Cubs and the Sox. Now, uh, the soccer team is forgotten, so there's that. But um, that, apologize, you can take that up with me later. It's fine. Um, but, uh, so we're going to have a little fun in this next series, kind of finding some spiritual relevance in the teams that we love so much. Maybe some of the lessons they've taught us over the years. Some of these lessons might be a little painful. You guys are all, well, most of you are probably Chicago fans, and you understand what I'm talking about when I talk about painful lessons that our Chicago teams have taught us. And so today, um, feel free, I'll tell you what the team is that we're going to be uh, talking about the next week. Feel free to wear your sports regalia in that. Um, the Blackhawks week, I think, is going to be a very decorated, uh, very decorated week. Everyone offering me to wear a Blackhawks jersey. No one was a Bulls or a Bears or anybody else, but if I need a Blackhawks, I could wear, um, for every five minutes, I could change a, a jersey, I think, out, and we'd be okay. But, um, So I'm very excited about this. Uh, Next week will be the Bears. It will also be a uh, family worship Sunday, so make sure you can even uh, dress your your children in such said uh, regalia as well. I know Steve Mock will be dressed in his Packers finery. Uh, So uh, there will be that, and no bloodshed should be happening at church. Um, So there's only one of those teams playing today, by the way. That's just just saying. Um, I kid, I kid, I kid. I would love to wear a jersey, although if it says Cutler on the back of it, it will not be happening, um, and we'll be okay. So anyway, uh, we're going to be talking about that. Today, we're going into the Bulls. We're going to talk about the Bulls today. We're going to start it off with the Bulls. Um, the Bulls, as I was thinking about this week, just it, it kind of it hit me pretty hard about the Bulls' history. See, I grew up a Lakers fan. And so I grew up hoping that Michael Jordan would just somehow bite the end of his tongue off when he was sticking it out at you. And so that's how I was raised. Thank you, Father. And it, uh, it, it, was, it was just a, a vehemence against the Bulls. But then we moved to northern Indiana, and you had to kind of be hidden with your hatred of the Bulls. So I just kind of kept it on, a little bit on the down low because I didn't want to get beat up as a child. But growing up in the 90s, the Bulls were the people to beat. The Bulls were so dominant. The most dominant, probably, sports franchise, one of the, arguably one of the most dominant sports franchises ever in the 90s. And so out of this dominance, I mean, every year it was a given. The Bulls are going to be in the playoffs. The Bulls are going to be a, a big roadblock to getting past. The Bulls are going to do this. Here's the thing about the Bulls. That was 20 years ago. It was 19 years ago when they won their last championship. No one in our student ministry was alive when the Bulls won their last championship. You're welcome for making you feel really old right now. I, I, that hit me on Thursday. I was like, oh, oh, no one was alive when they won their last championship in our student ministry. That is crazy. But we think about it. We think about the Bulls. We hold on to the... The majesty that was the Jordan and Pippen era, the, the, the sheer dominance of those, those championships. They were beautiful things to watch. And even if you didn't like them, you had to look at the TV and go, wow. But see, the problem is that was 20 years ago. It's in the past. The past may represent to you great things. It may represent championship things, the best years of your life, 
but it's in the past. The past may represent to you terrible things. Defeats the worst days of your life, but it's in the past. Either way, this holds true. We have a choice to live in or learn from the past. We have this choice. Do we choose to live in or learn from the past? And so the rest of the day today, we're going to be breaking this apart. What does this look like? How do we, how do we leverage our past to, to learn from it instead of live in it? Because only bad things happen when we live in the past. It doesn't matter what happened last year in our sports franchise's history. What are you doing this year? Right? It's 20 years ago. You have a choice to live in the past or learn from the past. Philippians 3, 14. This will be our theme verse for the next about five weeks or so. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press on toward it. I want to break down some of the Greek words in this verse for you just to give you a little bit more scope so it means a little bit more to you this morning. The first is goal. The word goal. It's the Greek word skopos in which we get the idea of a scope. Like a, a hunting scope or so, uh, something to, to scope in and zoom in on, a scope. So your, your vision is extremely, extremely pinpointed to a very small spot. It actually is the word that the Greeks use for the flag at the end of a race. So they'd plant this, this flag at the end of the race, and the runners are all running at it as fast as they possibly can, and everyone's vision is right on the scopos. It's the goal. And so that's what this is. I'm just running. I'm not looking to the left or the right or behind me. I am running towards that goal right there. I'm not going to do anything over here or over there. I'm I'm running towards the goal. Does that make sense? Okay. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The other word I want to talk about is called. This is kalesis. Kalesis. K-L-E-S-I-S which is used, this is, is different than kaleo, which is usually the word for a call. Kalesis is specifically used when talking about an, a wedding invitation. It's specifically used for the, for the idea of inviting someone to a wedding banquet, which is the biggest social event, the biggest, if you're invited to the wedding banquet, you're going to look forward to this all year long, right? So socially, think about it. I, this is the word for the wedding feast. And that changed a little bit of what we're thinking about when we, he's called me heavenly. Okay, he, he, he called me on my cell phone. And in uh, my heavenward in Christ Jesus. No Drake this morning? Okay, fine. Uh, God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He's called. We deal with called, and it's like, okay, called, called, called. I got it. But no, this is an invitation. This is something that is pre-planned for us. This is something that is thought about. Think about it. If you have been around someone who is preparing for the wedding banquet, I got a wedding invitation uh, this week. Um, I'm actually performing the wedding, so it was kind of funny to get an invitation for it. That's always weird to me. Like, oh, they spelled my name wrong. We got to fix that before it gets in the, the bulletin on the day of the, the thing. But I got a wedding invitation, but the, the idea and the forethought, and you know how much effort is put just in the invitations. You've got to get the pictures right and the font right, and you got to get the right uh, calligraphy on the outside of it, and all these different things. And the guys are like, they are not paying attention at all right now. But the girl's are like, uh huh, it's great. But the wedding invitation, right? This is just that. He has invited us heavenward 
Christ Jesus. And this is beautiful because of all of the wedding banquet imagery that God uses in the scriptures all throughout the scripture. There's so much talk about the bride and the bridegroom, all, all this talk about this wedding feast is going to be happening. It is the biggest idea we could ever dream of. And this is what's happening here is he has invited me to the heaven, me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So as we think about this verse for the next five weeks, let's think about this. Put this in our mindset that God is calling us to be so one-sided in our vision, only forward, directly onto it. Not backward, not to the side, to this, to this beautiful wedding feast in Christ Jesus. I press on toward the goal to win the prize, for God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Living in the past keeps us from experiencing the present. Living in the past keeps us from experiencing the present. Living in the past keeps us from experiencing the present. Now, we have a baby coming in three weeks. Or sooner. But we have a baby coming in three weeks. (laughs) This idea, we're moving furniture around. Now, all the furniture in our house has been in the same stationary spot, unless we were vacuuming under it, for the last three years. Okay? What happens when you start moving furniture around in a house that's been exactly the same for three years, and then you turn the lights off? Right? Shins, toes, knees, they hurt. There's bruises there now, right? Because you're running into them because you're so used, I can navigate this house blindfolded. But that's not the present reality anymore. Things have moved. Things have changed. And yet I keep on bumping into them. Our life works the same exact way. If we continue to live in the past the way things used to be, we bump into stuff and hurt ourselves. We're operating under false assumptions. And some of us, our lives work the same way. There's some questions to ask yourself if you are, maybe you're like, I don't know if I'm living in the past. I don't think I'm living in the past. Pretty good at this. I think I'm good. So I just have some questions for you. Or maybe you're like, I already know. You don't have to ask questions, Jared. I know it. Be quiet. All right. Well, here's some questions for you about if you're living in the past. First one is this. Am I in the present moment or am I in the past? Am I, am I here? Am I present? Am I present with my children? Am I present with my wife, with my husband? Am I present at work? Or am I just always thinking about what could have been, what was, what's in the past? Am I, present, am I in the present moment? Or in the past. Second question. Is there more I have to learn from my past experience? Is there more I have to learn from it? It's okay to look at our past experiences and go, huh, I can learn something from this. Usually in my case, it's keep your mouth shut. Maybe yours as well. But I can learn something from this. Okay. Have I learned everything from this thing? Because now I've learned everything from it but I keep on picking it up. There's no good left in it, right? If I've learned everything from it, let's let it go. It's in the past. Have I completed the lesson? Have I learned all of it? If I have, let's let it go. Fourth thing, how how does the past serve me today? And this is incredibly important, especially as we think about the Christian uh, view of moving on from the past. How does the past serve? serve me? And the question is, am I master of my past or is my past the master of me? How does my past 
serve me? How have I leveraged the lessons learned? Yes, these bad things happened. Yes, I did stupid things. Yes, I failed at this. But how have I leveraged it not to make that mistake again? And then how does it serve me? How do I help others through it? That's a big question. That's a big idea to start moving forward. But our past always can become an anchor or it could be something that helps us propel in the future. How does the past serve me today? How have I asked for forgiveness of my past? And this is hard to do. If you're not ready to let go of your past, it's very hard to be forgiven of it and ask for forgiveness of it because if you still have hold on to it, you're like, forgive me of this. God's like, you're going to let that go? I just want you to forgive me, but I still want to hold it. It, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't work that way. I can't wash you white as snow if you're going to still hold on to the dirty object. Right? And so have I asked forgiveness from it? Have I, have I let it go and said, God, I want you to take that? And then finally, have I forgiven myself? Have I forgiven myself? It's incredibly important. Have I forgiven myself? Psalm 103, 11 to 12 says this. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west, God threw it away. It is gone. And so if I've asked for forgiveness and I've forgiven myself, those things in our past are removed, gone. And there's no reason to go searching for them again because we've already learned the lessons from them. We don't need to pick those things up anymore. Jesus' gift to us is that we are not chained to our past, rather freed to his future. Jesus' gift to us is that we are not chained to our past, rather freed to his future. It's an incredibly important concept and fundamental to understanding how Jesus frees us, how this whole grace thing and mercy thing works. That we're not chained to our past. We're not chained to our, our mistakes. We're not chained to all the, the junk we've done in our, in our lives, but rather we're free to be better in his future, in his plan for us. Living in the past robs you of the present. Love this quote. I came across this this week. When the past calls, let it go to voicemail. It has nothing new to say. Mandy Hale. When the past calls, let it go to voicemail. It has nothing new to say. How many of us have this recorder in our heads that when we do something stupid, like in present time, maybe you guys don't, I do. When I do something stupid, stuff I did when I was 12, 13 years old replays in my head. And the same feelings, and I, I am taken back into that room and, and these things. And that is, it is robbing me of my present. And I just replay it over and over and over again. There's a delete function on voicemail. We needed to delete this stuff, and it's through forgiveness that we delete it in our own lives. Living in the past robs you of your present. My children, right now, my twins are seven years old. And I'm already thinking about how much I miss them as four-year-olds. Right? I already think about it. I think about, oh, I miss, I miss that age. I miss the wonder. I miss the wiki wiki. Fix it, Daddy. I, 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 miss, I miss all that. I miss the toys. We're getting rid of a bunch of toys that were 
uh, four year, for four-year-old Bowen. Now he's seven. He doesn't play those things anymore. I'm like, but I want to play with those things still. It's a castle. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. <laughs> Living in the past robs you of your present. And so and I still, I'm like, oh, I'm longing for, for Bowen to, and Kendall to revert back into four-year-old Bowen and Kendall. That's not going to happen. I, as much as I want it to happen, not going to work. And I can continue for that longing. I continue for that hope. And it's, it's just going to rob me of the present awesomeness that is seven-year-old Bowen and Kendall. Right? Yesterday, I had a once-in-a-life opportunity to have my son cuddle with me on the couch. It might be the first time since he was two that has actually happened. He was exhausted. But <laughs> so I figured out the trick. Right? But so he is cuddling with me on the couch, laying on my chest while I'm reading a book. This is heaven come to earth for me. And he's there, and I'm thinking, I just want to hold on to this moment for as long as i got to really go to the bathroom, but I'm going to hold on to this moment for as long as I possibly can. Because this is, this is oh, I want this. Because 13-year-old Bowen, guess what he's not going to do? He is not going to cuddle with me on the couch. We're going to have to buy a really big couch to get 13-year-old Bowen and, and, and me on the couch at the same time. That is not going to happen. As much as I want it to happen, it's, not, it's not probably may never, ever, ever happen again. But if I only live in yesterday's moment, it robs me of what the present reality of a 13-year-old Bowen can be. Living in the past robs you of the present. Learning from the past protects your present. Learning from the past protects your present. Kelly and I, when we were just married a couple of years, both got full-time jobs. No kids full-time job, not even a mortgage payment between the two of us. We looked around about four years later and said, where, where, where'd all that money go? Kelly's job had this thing called benefits. It's nice. Where'd all the money go? We're looking at our budget, because we finally did that five years too late. We are actually eating our money. We were actually eating our money. Ah. You mean that whole like not cooking at home thing and trying all these nice restaurants and going all around Atlanta, Georgia and doing, doing whatever we want for dinner is, is costing us actual cash? It, we ate any opportunity we had at savings as a, as a young married couple when we didn't have the responsibility of children and all these other things. We ate our money. And so we learned it from our past and we protect our present. Now we have a monthly budget. And we said, hey, you know what? We're going to only eat out this many times and we're going to protect it. And this is the cash for it. So if we only got 20 bucks left in the, the envelope, we're going to Taco Bell. <laughs> right? So this is, or how many coupons can we get to Texas Roadhouse? All right. Uh, so, and if my kids order anything but water, they are out of the family. Uh, but... <laughs> Learning from your past protects your present. Living in the past sabotages your future. Living in the past sabotages your future. If everything the Bulls did is graded on the 90s, they will never be successful again, right? If everything that you think, oh man, everything that the Bulls did in the 90s, that's the only standard. If you can't come here and win six championships in seven years, don't really want you, right? That's a, a 
I think we can all agree that's an unfair assumption, but we do the same thing for ourselves. We have these real unrealistic goals. This was the success in the past or even the failures in the past. And if it can't be like that, then no, because we live in the past. It sabotages all the possibilities for a future. If you base who you are on who you were at your best, you will always be disappointed. That one's not coming on the screen. It probably should have. If you base who you are on who who you were at your best, you will always be disappointed. If I look in the mirror and I judge myself on how I looked as a 17-year-old swimmer who swam five miles a day, I will always be disappointed, and so will Kelly. (laughs) She got to be in here today, so I get to make her laugh. Um, If you base who you are on who you were at your best, you will always, always be disappointed. If you base who you are on who you were at your worst, you will always be depressed. Okay? So we cannot live in the past because it sabotages our future. If you base who you are on who you were at your worst, you will always be depressed. It doesn't matter if your past is great or bad. Staying there only messes up your future. Learning from the past builds a better future. Let's choose to learn from the past. In the Bulls organization, if all they do is think about how great they were in the 90s, it's not going to get better. If they compare themselves to the 90s, it's going to be real bad. And they've made some choices. They tried to follow the old 90s formula. They got a star. They followed it up with a good rebounder. The problem for them when they couldn't control it is that those guys kept on getting hurt. Rose blew out his knees every other day, and, and Joakim Noah, this is a walking EM, you know, emergency room guy. So um, that's just who, what happened. But they tried to follow the formula of the 90s. And if you do have no idea about basketball, I'm sorry for this illustration. But what the Bulls did in the 90s is well, they got the best player of the 90s. They got the best player of the 90s. And they put him in the center of their, their team. And they said, let's, let's put you there. And then they got the best unselfish guy probably in the history of basketball. They put Scottie Pippen right next to him and said, you give him the basketball. There we go. They got the craziest dude they could find. Who... <laughs> and Dennis Rodman. They said, you get balls. You go get balls. Okay. Uh... Anyway, I'm sure he's a wonderful individual. Um, and they surrounded him with some other things. They had a great, great coach. And the Bulls of today are not like that. They haven't followed the formula. The formula's kind of fallen apart. But here's the deal. Here's an interesting thing. Someone's learned from the past. There's a man named Steve Kerr. You may have heard of him if you watch basketball, and he played on that team. And now he has surrounded himself and built a team that has done the same thing that the 90s Bulls did. They found one of the best players in the world. They put him in the middle. They said, listen, kid, you can shoot from anywhere on the floor. You just go right ahead. And now we're going to find the most unselfish person that we can possibly find in Clay Thompson. And you pass him the ball. All right. That's what's happened. 
And then they found a crazy guy in, in, uh, in green. And I was listening to their GM talk. Um, the Golden State Warriors go to San Quentin and play basketball once a year, a couple times a year, and they play with the inmates. None of the stars are actually allowed to, to play, but they'll go and play dominoes and, and do other stuff around the things. And this is the GM of the, of the Golden State Warriors. He goes, Green looked a little too comfortable in the prison yard. He's like, I think, I think he'd be running the place if he was in San Quentin. Uh, it was just really funny to, to hear the GM of Golden State bash on his own player like that. But um, he, he's crazy. And now they've even added another player that's amazing, Kevin Durant. The idea is, and they've built, what, a dominant team. They were in the playoffs two years ago and won. They're in the playoffs this year. They will be in uh, the playoffs last year and lost, and they'll be in the playoffs again this year unless something crazy happens. But they're built, they followed that formula, and they have learned from the past to build a better future for their team. In an era in which building a dynasty like that is incredibly hard with the way in which salaries are worked and structures are worked, they've done it because they learned from the past to build a better future. See, personally, I don't learn well from my successes. I just enjoy them. Right? I don't, if I do something really good, I'm like, woo, let's throw a party. Maybe we should learn from that and break it down, figure out how we can repeat that. Nope, let's just party. I don't learn well from my failures. I just get whiny. Mm-hmm. I do. Kelly's like, mm-hmm. But we, that's not helping me build a better future. How do we use our successes? How do we use our failures to leverage them, to learn from our best to have a better present and future, to learn from our worst to have a better present and future? Philippians 3 14 says this, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press on toward the goal. See, our past can rob us of a future. It sabotages of our future if we let it. But if we turn it into learning from it, we can use it for the glory of God. We can leverage it to have a better life. See, Jesus' gift to us is that we are not chained to the past, rather freed to his future. We are not chained to our past through Christ Jesus. We are freed for his future. That may be something that sounds very appealing to you this morning. I want to talk about it. As we live life, as we start a new year, as we move into this new phase of our life, whatever that's in, maybe you have a new job, a new marriage, a new new baby on the way, new... Monday, tomorrow morning, whatever excuse you need to give to yourself. Kids are working on their memory verse. That is awesome. Um, Laura Warren loves to get them wild up. So if they're ever loud down there, it's Laura going, come on, make Pastor Jared talk about you. So that is awesome. That is awesome. That's awesome. Um, That this morning, that we wrap our heads around Jesus' gift to break the chains in our hearts, to break the chains of our past so that he frees us into a new future. And what that looks like is saying, God, here is my past. Here is the mistakes, and here's even the successes. And right now, I want to give them to you. I want you to take all this so I can be forgiven, so I can have a new life. So I don't have to be chained to this junk anymore. I don't have to have these anchors on my heart anymore. I can be made new in you. We're going to sing a song in just a few moments called You Know Me. 
And it's a very poignant song. It's all about how God knows everything about you. He knows everything about your past. He knows everything about your future. He has you memorized. That the God of all creation loves you that intimately, that closely. He still loves you even through those failures. And when you ask for forgiveness, here's the beautiful thing. He forgets them. Maybe some of you today go, I need that fresh start. I need that moment in my life today. Won't you pray with me? God, right now, we give you our hearts. Right now, Lord, I ask for my past to be taken away. For you to forgive me of all the sin in my life. Of all the mistakes I've made in life. that you would come into my life and be Lord of it, that you would give me your future. God, I don't want to spend another day reliving reliving my past. I don't want to spend another day bringing up past mistakes. I want to step fully into your future. God, will you take my heart? Will you take my life? I give all this to you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.